You're listening to another Mariners podcast by the fans and for the fans with news and views on the Claret and Blues. Dan on, man. Have a listen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mariners podcast. Myself, Chris, and Ronnie and Simon. And everyone linked with the show hope that you and your families are safe and well. Given such difficult times we find ourselves in, we hope that you're listening in, feeling in reasonable fettle. It is, of course, mid-May. It's the time of year when we would usually be preparing to review the season. Of course, the 2019-20 season is and isn't finished, for want of a better phrase, but because of what has gone on in previous weeks, which we've documented clearly and which has been documented very clearly elsewhere, the season is over. So, with it being mid-May, we feel it's time to talk football and, and, and review the season. So, Hopefully this afternoon there'll be lots of F-words, which is football. No mention of the C-word. Uh, we'll have no talk of words such as void and null. Uh, and we'll talk about what we should be talking about on a football podcast. Um, now, because we're going to talk football today, it's probably best to have one or two people who actually know a little bit about the game with us. Um, so a very warm welcome to Ronnie and Simon, who apparently know a bit about football. Um, yeah. <laughs> but to really make sure we've got some proper footballing knowledge for this particular edition, we are absolutely thrilled, delighted to be able to welcome two lads who do know a little bit about the game. It is none other than South Shields co-managers Graham Fenton and Lee Picton. So welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. It's fabulous to have you with us. We hope you are well in these trying times. So um, first of all, Graham, how are you? Keeping okay. Um, it's obviously difficult, um, as you say, Chris. Uh, a little bit frustrating not to be able to get into work and and um, get around the lads and and have some fun. But uh, yeah, it's um, like I say, there's really important things that have to be uh, addressed at the minute, and that's people's health. So we're uh, willing to play our part by by staying at home and doing yeah. the best we can. So um, you doing? Is your last got you doing odd jobs around the house and that? Uh, I've got to do a bit of painting tomorrow, so uh, I'm not looking forward to that. But um, <laughs> Other than that, just trying to tick over on the exercise bike a little bit. Um, I had my eldest son's 19th birthday last week and uh, my youngest son's birthday next week. So just different things going on, really. Good, good. And Lee, from your point of view, you'll be um, knee deep in nappies, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the two boys are, well, Charlie's uh, coming up to three in August, end of August, and George's six months just a couple of days ago so um it's been a it's been an in- interesting transition shall we say from one end of the uh work-life balance spectrum to the other um yeah. so yeah it's been a it's been an experience that's for sure because of course you have spoken candidly in the past about the fact that you know with with the role in football being so demanding that your time with the family is limited so I guess this has been an unexpected kind of opportunity for you to have that family time. Yeah, and to be honest with you, you know, all joking aside, I've, I've took it as a real blessing, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I look back at the, you know, when when, when Charlie was, uh, was in around George's age, I didn't really get to spend as much time as I probably should have done, um, mm-hmm. you know, during, during those kind of, formative um months and uh first couple of years so i've really embraced try to embrace the um 
the time that we've had together as a family and uh, you know we've done lots of lots of things obviously within within uh within the restrictions of course and yes. um but it's been a yeah there's there's obviously been some trying moments as as there will be in every household when you've been you know you've almost cooped up 24 7 but um for the large part it's i've really really enjoyed spending time with it with the family and and, and you know getting a real perspective on, on a number of different things brilliant um now clearly we're going to talk about the the season itself um we want to touch upon uh pre-season um which we felt was a pretty good pre-season um not always in terms of results we felt, and we've mentioned this in previous podcasts, about the, the type of opposition that we had. Um, and going into pre-season, clearly it was a, a, a new start with the new hybrid model that was announced. So going into pre-season, last, if you go all the way back to last summer, um, how did the, the hybrid, the new hybrid model, allow you to um, modify your your roles and your approaches to pre-season? Well, I guess the, the obvious bonus is having more time with the, the players. Um, so, yeah, we, we uh, embarked on having those extra sessions on a, a Monday, sometimes Wednesday and Friday um, with the lads, um, which we felt was beneficial. Now, obviously, we had quite a few new players come in yeah. needed to get um, integrated into the squad. And we purposely had a, a tough pre-season. Um, myself and Lee see the value of really testing ourselves in pre-season so um, we don't really like the games if you're going to go into them and start winning 6-7-8-0 you don't really get much from it so pre-season even though there's a few tough results in there I think we, we gained quite a bit from it. Sai you were a particular kind of advocate of better opposition. Um, you I, I just with? felt there was just more structure. I think the season before there was the, the the tournament and things like that, and where I think this time there was just a better structure to the the opposition. At, you know, the, the different levels, obviously, and it just seemed to have a better flow to it. Like going like two seasons ago, that I thought it was perfect, where we started with Gateshead and and sort of work our way through the levels down over to, towards our own level. And this one I felt had a bit it was more like that rather than the the one before where. You know the, the tournament and different things like that, which you know, in hindsight, possibly, in my opinion, didn't work. You know, um, so the the players that came in, you mentioned there, Graham. You know, a lot of lot of new players coming in. You know, there was um, Adam Thurston, Melenic Ali, Robbie Wakoma. Um, they came via uh, was it trials? Had they had trials, Lee? Yeah, we 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 set up, I guess, a close season kind of uh, trial opportunity um, where we used a kind of um, a number of contacts that we had in, in the game from across the country to see if there was any kind of talent out there, particularly young talent that um, that you know that could kind of catch our eye and and we could potentially you know add, add to the squad and and, uh, and strengthen the squad. Um, maybe a bit of an unorthodox approach. Um, you know, I don't know too many teams who who've taken that approach before. Um, we were, we were willing to to you know test it, nothing nothing ventured, nothing gained type yeah. type thing. And um, you know, we, we obviously picked out two or three players who we felt had a had a had a bit of potential. Um, 
you know, we, we went into the season and, and knew that we were going to go down that route of, of, of you know, training full-time with, with quite a few of the players and had that opportunity open up to us. So, um, yeah, that, that, I mean, you know, you can reflect on it and say, well, you know, can you assess the impact of that those players made across the season? And it, was, it wasn't a particularly, particularly strong one. Um, but, you know... I guess, like I say, nothing, nothing ventured, nothing gained, and uh, it was it was a good learning curve for us. Um, I think the whole season has been a really massive learning curve for us in lots of, in lots of different ways, and I'm sure we'll touch on on many of those elements, you know, over, over the next uh, uh, four hours or whatever it is. But um, <laughs> better not be. I've got work yeah. to do, man. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no um, we certainly will, and that was something that um, we we talked about about learning. Um, throughout the season in various podcasts. Um, the introduction of uh, Miles Borney uh, was a particular boost um, coming from Blackpool, clearly with Football League experience. And then came the moves for uh, Jordan Hunter and Ethan Connolly. Now, um, uh, Jordan clearly had a, an absolutely magnificent season. It was a real revelation. Um <sighs> When we had the pre-season friendly with Sunderland at Mariners Park, was Jordan already on your radar at that time? Not, not at that time, no. Um, kind of introduced um, on the recruitment side, Wes to take Wes Brown to take a little bit more of a lead on that front, and um, Wes had been out to to see a few games, and obviously he'd been in the in the building at Sunderland for quite a while as well, so I knew about Jordan. Yeah. Um, and then we just went out and watched him, and he played particularly well in a couple of games um, in Sunderland's 23s. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was again, you, you kind of take a punt on on these things. You know they're going to be decent players, but whether they can step up from 23 level to to, um, to first team level, um, sometimes it, it can be a little bit hitty-missy. But like you just said, um, I thought Jordan handled the step up really well. He was magnificent. And, um, Lee, I remember vividly uh, we had a conversation um, going up the River Tyne last summer. And yeah. at that time, um, uh, Jason Gilchrist was just confirmed as a signing. Yeah. Now, um, obviously, Jason has been a guest with us this season, a lovely lad, uh, clearly a talented footballer. Ronnie, you've got something that you wanted to put to the lads with regards to recruitment. Yeah, the one thing I've uh, always been fascinated about in, in our league and non-league in general is just how quickly you can sign a player. Like, for example, Darius Osai, who we signed later on in the season, kind of banging in the goals for Staley Bridge, got them to the middle table, scored a couple against us, and then next thing you know, he's in a South Shield strip. How, how does all that work? How, do, how, how can we get players signed that fast? How does it? How does it work? Well, to be honest with you, Ronnie, the the work, the stuff around that, the sorry, uh, the Darius signing, um, mm-hmm. we'd ironically we'd been in discussions about Darius for at least two or three weeks before we played Staley Bridge at their place, yeah. and to be honest with you, there was a chance that we we almost got the deal done before. He played. He played against us at at Staley Bridge. Now, there's all as you've as you've alluded to. There's always a number of different factors that can contribute to how quickly you can get a a deal done in this day and age. You know, if, if we'd been talking about our level of football 
even I would argue even 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I'd say the, the level of agent involvement would have been virtually nil. Mm-hmm. But I think what you've got now is a completely different landscape within football in that respect. And, you know, there were, you know, there was a, a few different things that needed to be ironed out, so to speak, uh, over the, over the course of course of time. Um, but, you know, in, in, in Darius, we feel like we've got somebody that can help take us to the, to the next level. And, yep. you know, you touched on Jason earlier on um, about Chris, about, uh, you know, when he came in over the, over the, the, the late period of, of pre-season. Yeah. Um, yep. We feel, you know, with, with, with Jason and, and Darius um, able to spearhead our attack, you know, ahead, ahead of next season, um, wherever we find ourselves, you know, we're already on a, on a really, really good footing from, from the off. I think you look back at Jason, we had a really, really, some would argue, unlucky start with Jason. Obviously, he got sent off unjustly in the first game against yeah. uh, Radcliffe Borough away from home, which then result, you know, and then if you remember rightly, he scored on his home debut um, against Ashton. Unfortunately, we, we had the massive blow of losing Luke Daly for the whole season that, that fateful night against Ashton. Um, and then after the Ashton game, Jason was then suspended for three matches. And um, that then was the catalyst for us having to find, you know, a short-term solution uh, in Lee Connolly um, from, from Sunderland. And then obviously when Jason did return, um, during his phase return, when he um, when we played Tadcaster in the league couple of ways, then suffered a hamstring injury and he's out for another, you know, four or five weeks. So it was a really tough start for Jason and that and I think that that hurt us in a number of different ways, even though results were were, were pretty good during that, that period, particularly in the league. Um I think, you know, I think the point I'm trying to make now is is that we just feel with a season under his belt at the club now, i.e. Jason, and with Darius having spent a bit of time to get his feet on under the table and, and, and get used to how we work, I think we've got a we've got a the basis um, of a fantastic strike force going into next season. Wonderful, wonderful. Yep. Um, so the preseason is done and dusted. Um, at that point, going into the first game, uh, did you feel as though that? The business that you'd done in pre-season was complete. Did you feel as though you had exactly what you wanted, or did you feel as though there was still a bit more work to be done in terms of recruitment going into the, going into the actual league campaign, lads? I, th- I think you you're always assessing how you're getting on and and um, getting feet on the ground to see if there's any players who can improve the squad. With us not having any restrictions in terms of transfer windows, it's you, you can kind of evolve the squad over a season as well, mm-hmm. which we obviously have done. And we feel like um, towards the end of the season, we had a, a really, really strong squad. Um, yeah. And I think that will probably be the same again, uh, possibly next year. We're just always looking at players who are out there, possible players who are available, who, who could possibly come in and improve us. Um, now, that that sounds like a threat to the players who are in, but that hopefully that just keeps them on the toes. So they've got to be performing. Um, so... They don't have to go and bring anybody else in. Um, so yeah, so uh, last last season was it was it was an evolving squad. And yeah. Like yeah. Say, I think we we definitely finished up at the end of the season um, with a stronger squad than we started with. Which is what you look for. Absolutely, yeah. you're always looking to improve. So you go into the league campaign. With, Lee's mentioned about that 
difficult start. Um, and then comes the difficulties of, you know, if you think of the Hyde game, August Bank Holiday, uh, the team that was put out that day, who in, in our view did magnificently well given the circumstances because of the injuries, the uh, et cetera, et cetera, and the, the, the fact that Jason was unavailable. Um, yes, it was a, a, a bad result, but we, we as supporters felt heartened by the fact that, yep, yeah, Hyde won, but with the with the side we had out, um, it it we 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 felt we deserved a point. Um, we one of the things we we wanted to ask you while we've got you in our company today, and something that has really kind of been quite it's been it's been knocking away at me for quite some time. My view, I, I'm not a fan of. The way the season starts, where you've got two games in 48 hours in potential hot weather. Now, we went to Scarborough on Bank Holiday Monday and it was absolutely baking hot. Now, to, to the naked eye, to the layman like ourselves, that game was, wasn't a real spectacle. Both teams looked absolutely shot in the second half. Um, were the players as fatigued? As they appeared to be, yes, yeah. In in short, I think you're right. I mean, I don't think you would get many instances at the top level of the game where there's a there's only a 24 hour break mm-hmm. between between games. Um, look, I understand that you know from clubs' perspective, it often it often boosts crowds to you know get get, get people through the gate on a bank bank holiday Monday. Um, but yeah, there's no two ways about it. It was a it was a poor spectacle. Um, you know, there was few the, the moments of real quality were few and far between in that game at Scarborough. Doesn't help that it's played on a plastic pitch where you know elevates the temperature even even oh, even higher. Um, you could so feel yeah. you could feel the heat coming from the surface behind the barriers. Yeah, that, uh, we 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 had a bit of a laugh actually, Chris, before the game because I don't know if you, you or anybody else noticed it, but they had a, a singular mobile oh, sprinkler sprinkler uh, on the, on the pitch before the game, <laughs> which was was uh, about as much use as a chocolate fire guard, to be honest with you. Um, we said we said what, what we, we, I can't repeat it on here because obviously it's a family show, but um, we suggested that we should all go on the pitch and do something um, that might just add a little <laughs> bit more. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, so no, I, I mean we, the players just looked out on their feet, and I, I, I don't even like the way they do it at Easter. But at least at Easter, it's generally cooler. Um, but um, so afterwards, I mean, the players were they like you know really fatigued? Was it a clear thing? You know, they were they were shot. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, two tough games. Um, you know, you mentioned the hard game. You, you said I think we deserved the point. But to be honest with you, Chris, I have to disagree with you there. I mean, if you look at the balance of the the game, you know, yes, we were somewhat toothless. I'll openly admit, you know, we were somewhat looked somewhat toothless in the final final third. But mm-hmm. I think the possession, and again, you know, possession is not everything, and I w- I won't advocate that position. Possession is everything, but. Um, I think we were up to something like 75% possession in, in that game. And in terms of territory, we were camped out in their half for long, long periods. Um, you know, it was it was a little bit unfair on Lee Connolly coming in, you know, and, and us expecting a lot from him. 
in a very short period of, period of time. Um, but that didn't quite work for us. No two ways about it. It didn't quite work for us. And, um, you know, we obviously paid the price getting hit on the, on, on the counter-attack um, by one of their only attacks in the, in, in the game. And then and then we've got to Scarborough and drew, drew nils each. So I think at that point, we played four, won the first two, drawn, lost one. But then after the Scarborough game, Chris, we went on that eight eight game winning streak, um, you know, in the league, which which put us, you know, well on top at the end of you know twelve games. Very much so, you know. Uh, Bamba Bridge was the first one, and we go on an eight league game winning run. But then comes the um, the FA Cup, um, Corn, um, Sayu. We had a like a little chat before we came together. You know, you had something to say about the. Corn, I just wondered, you know, over the, over the two games where you know we we, we didn't play well. Um, would it? Have, do you think? And I, first things first, I think that what you can no one ever accuse a South Shield side of never putting in anything less than a hundred percent. But do you think that the players weren't quite at it in, in, mentally against Corn coming from a lower level? And my, my take on it is it might have been better if we'd played them away first up on a Saturday where we would have taken probably quite a, a decent number of supporters with us. Um, and I think the players may have played better for them. Where at home, I, I just felt as though um, it was, you know, we were going to go out and win it. You know, I, I wouldn't say complacency. You could say complacency. Did you think that was a, do you think that was at play on, on that day? Possibly, Simon. I think that. Um, you never like to to kind of put it down to complacency, but um, yeah, I think that when we got the draw and it was a home draw, I think that maybe maybe certain people thought like, oh, this will this will be quite easy, and obviously it wasn't. Um, I think in that first game we were just we were just flat, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and there wasn't enough urgency in that in that game from what I can remember. Um, and then when you when you obviously draw at home and that they get the tails up when they when they're bringing us back midweek to their place, um, which was never going to be easy. But um, yeah, I mean, look, we had our we had our chances in that game to to win it, and it was obviously a de- uh, a really disappointing goal to concede as well. Absolutely. Um, so well, the FA Cup, both FA competitions kind of went a bit flat for us this season. Um, were those competitions high up on the priority list? Or, or, or was it, was there more emphasis this year on promotion, considering what had happened the previous year? Were cup were cups seen as a potential kind of a potential to cause fixture pileups, or am I off the mark there? Wide of the mark? Yeah, I think I think they're wide of the mark, Chris. I know you suggested at the time that we maybe didn't take the FA Cup seriously, but nothing could be. Further from the truth, to be honest with you, and if you'd yeah. been in that, and if you'd been in that dressing room after the game at Cole, I think you would have had a different perspective on things. Yeah. Um, you know, the FA Cup is a tremendous opportunity for any football club um, at any level to, you know, twofold to, you know, particularly for clubs at our level. Obviously, from a financial perspective, it gives you an opportunity to, to really, you know, cash in, so to speak, on, you know, um, and. And, and and you know and, and do well by the football club financially, but also you know from a from a I guess from like a PR and like a um, from a glamour perspective, you know the opportunity to to play some 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 one-off games that you could only potentially dream of sometimes. And you know we had a 
we had a great FA Cup run, as you know, a couple of years ago, which brought with it, you know, not just the financial side, but some great memories. And uh, but also can set up your league season really, really well as well in terms of confidence and momentum. Um, I thought we were actually really unlucky in the in the, in the FA Trophy. You know, I, I, I go along. I agree with Graham. I thought you know we were flat, particularly in the first game against Coom at home. There's one or two players that we were expecting a lot more away from home at Coom who did, did not perform on on the night in key in key areas. Um, but the FA Trophy run obviously came to an end against Southport at a time where we were absolutely decimated by injuries, key injuries within the squad. I mean, if you remember rightly. Some of the young players that we had on the pitch, both in the home tie and the away tie. The home tie we should have won comfortably as well, by the way. Sure, um, yes. You know, against a tie, against a team that was riding high at the time in Conference North. I think we were fourth or fifth at the time on a really good on a really good run. I thought I thought we actually gave them a lesson in football at our at our place. And and again, I think it was just some when we went two one up, but there was only one winner. You know, it, yeah. it, was, it was simple as that. We we were. We were carving them open. Yeah. Isn't that the game Aaron Thompson really burst onto the scene? Yes. Yes, absolutely. But if you remember rightly, you know, Kieran Charlton was in around the side at that time as well. Yeah. We had, you know, Will Jenkins starting to break, break through in the side. Sam Hodgson was in, you know, in, in the squads. Um, you know, we, we were we were really, can't remember exactly at the, at the time who exactly was. I know Blair Adams was out at the time, but he obviously got injured in the Russian and Diamonds game the, the previous, or was it, sorry, the Stourbridge, Stourbridge replay at yeah. home. Um, so, yeah, we were dealing with a lot of things. And I thought the, the, the young lads and the older lads, more experienced lads who had to kind of look after them on the pitch did, did admirably. And, um, you know, we just, we just fell foul of a bit of naivety, you know, in the end, a bit of inexperience and naivety, you know, at, at their place at Southport on the Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Ronnie? Yeah, I was just going to ask, because over the last three years, when we're talking about the young, talented players, what what I've noticed is it seems to be much, much harder for a, a youngster to make their mark when they're playing up front or in the middle of midfield or the middle of defence. It seems like they can make they make their mark in the wider areas like fullback or or right midfield. I just wondered if what your views were on kind of young talented players and whether there's a position on the field for them that makes it slightly easier for them to make their mark. Well, I guess you kind of do work with players based on their position, so it's it's hard to go. So take Sam Hodgson, for instance. You mm-hmm. you wouldn't really go out oh, well. Sam, go and, go and play out wide because it's slightly easier than playing down the middle. He's a centre forward and yeah. we're, we're really hopeful over the next two, three years that Sam's going to come on a bundle and, and uh, start scoring regularly at, at our level and hopefully higher. Um, but you have to play the players in the position you see them in so they can get that experience. Um, we obviously got Sam out again as, as an instance to, to go and play some senior games at um, RCW. Mm-hmm. And um, they ended up playing him wide, which wasn't ideal because obviously we want him playing in his in his correct position to get that experience that he needs to to come into our team and, and hit the ground running. Um, so yeah, look, I, I I would kind of agree with you, Ronnie, that it might be slightly easier if you're playing in a wide area because there's less less traffic. But yeah. again, I would also say that um, you've got to get used to playing in in your position. If that's centre forward, centre mid, or centre back, you've got to play there and get the experience. 
Yeah, I suppose if you if you're playing up front, you get in in this level, you're up against some very tough defenders, especially if you haven't fully kind of grown yet. Which is, I mean, I noticed that in the likes of kind of Lee uh, Connolly, and of, similarly, if you're a centre back and you're playing against wily centre forwards like Lee Hughes, etc., who know every trick in the book, it's just, a, I suppose, it's quite a harder position for for youngsters to. Probably takes needs a little bit more time for them to to bet in. Is that something that you know we on a few occasions last season, um, particularly when we went through the difficult spell when Blair was injured and Kieran Charlton did admirably at left back, but there was this thing where back I would play left back, etc., etc. It was it purely really based on the fact that maybe these youngsters weren't quite ready to do it week in, week out. It's such a very, very difficult level, given the fact they're up against opposition who are wily, seasoned, and in some cases, bigger than them. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really, it's a really tough balance for me and Graham to strike in terms of, as you know, we've we've worked day in, day out with a lot of the young players at the club, you know, before John and Wes were appointed at the club in, in their coaching roles, we obviously looked after the, the, the academy um, full-time as well. And it's a really tough balance, Chris, because we've got, as you well know, a football club where the expectations are through the roof. Mm-hmm. And you want to give time for young players to... Well, inevitably, young players are going to make mistakes. Every every player is going to make mistakes, but young players are probably going to make more mistakes because they haven't got the experience to you know to decision make with 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 real clarity a lot of the times on on the pitch. So it's a catch twenty two. You know, you, you want to give them time to make the mistakes to develop, but at the same time, if result if results slip over a, even a remotely sustained period of time, then we're under fire. Yeah. As as you well know, and and you know you've got to keep the momentum as a club going, and you know it, it, it is really look. There's no two ways about it. We were we were almost, our hand was almost forced by necessity at, at times, but the the way that the those young lads responded was was absolutely magnificent. Mm-hmm. And you know I've I've gone on record many times. You know one of the proudest moments for me was that was that that debut goal from Will Jenkins you yes. know against Radcliffe remember rightly we had seven we had seven what you would class as regular first teamers unavailable for that game the key players for us yeah and the move that led to the goal was Sam Hodgson linking with Kieran Charlton who then slid in Will Jenkins who then lobbed the goalkeeper from 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 30 yards and that that gives you a huge amount of pride you know these are players that you've worked with you know, week in, week out, and they've dealt with that situation like unbelievably well. And yes. you know, it 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 just almost makes the hair stick up on the back of your neck. You know, it was oh, it was yeah. a real it was a real real highlight for me personally this I, season. I think just to add on top of that as well, you got to remember that Radcliffe were on a really good run of form going into that game. Yeah, they were. Yeah. They were they were flying, and um, again, I, I think. Looking at our team sheet on the day, I think many people would have thought they've got a really good chance of winning. But we put on such a strong performance on that day that uh, we thoroughly deserved to win with plenty of young lads playing. 
Yeah. It was one of those games where we we go, you know, we go back in the bar, we go away, and we we are we are up a height. We are absolutely cock a hoop, Ronnie. Just a, one <clears> of the highlights of the season for me, and it was just one one moment. I don't know if you if you can remember it was um, Whitby away on that awful pitch on Boxing Day. Aaron Thompson was playing centre midfield, and it was clear that their centre midfield were going to try and bully him, and it and he went in for this one tackle, which he absolutely cleaned the lad out, Thompson did. And it was just like, it was that day in that moment, you could tell he just arrived because they were trying to rough him up and he was having none of it and, the, mm-hmm. and they'd stopped doing it and they, they went to, to other players to try and rough them up. For me, that was a brilliant moment of the season because it looked like here's a young player who's got a lot of talent playing in a very hard position on a horrendous pitch against some big, tough players. He just came out of it superbly. It was brilliant. Aaron, Aaron is a is a great example to to any young player that's coming through our club. Um, he he lives and breathes his football. He really does. Yep. What you see on the pitch is just a result of of the level of professionalism and dedication that he has every hour of every day of every week outside of the football club and. Um, Aaron's got a, a tremendously bright future ahead of him. Of course, he's yeah. got huge com- competition for places, as everybody has uh, with it within the team. But Aaron has got a great future ahead of him if he keeps he keeps his mindset and he's in his you know his approach the same as as he as he has been. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Um, we had that eight game winning run in the league, got ourselves clear at the top. One of the highlights for us. And Ronnie, this was a great night. Was a way to FC United. Um, for us, was a it was like a it was like going to a football league ground. Um, and it felt as though we were always almost taking on the big boys, even though you know it, it, it's FC United, it's not Man United or anything. But um, on a really tough night where they've got a huge following behind the goal on that terrace. I mean, it's it's very noisy. Um, I felt as particularly in the first half that that was one of for me one of the best halves of football from yep. us all yep. season. It was we would absolutely dominated that first half, and it just that was the night where I, I suddenly woke up to the fact that Gary Brown is one hell of a centre half um, because we watched him at close quarters against a very good forward line, and he had them in his back pocket, um, and alongside Dylan. The two of them were just absolutely magnificent, um, repelling attack after attack, and then we countered very, very well. Was that a night which kind of was was that a pivotal night for you, lads, or was it just a well, it was an away win? It, for us, it was just a, a really good away win um, against tough opposition. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree with you. The first half was was very good, and I think we can count ourselves unfortunate not to be further ahead in the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. We created some really good situations and just didn't manage to, to kill the game by half time. Um, but yeah, look, they, Tundi Awalabi is a good a good centre forward as we've seen in the in the last game of the season we played and um, in the away game we we marshalled him really well at the back. Um, he created very very little for them um, and he's proven throughout the whole season that he is a very very strong centre forward. Um, scored lots of goals and, and like you say, Brownie and uh, and Dylan marshalled him particularly well that night. Obviously, Brownie was a little bit used a little bit of extracurricular activity um, that I that that I could see. He was it was a masterclass actually. Um, 
really when you think about it, Ronnie. Um, but then, of course, we just sorry, Chris, just on that one. Sorry to interject, but that was it during that uh, second half of that game. That was one of the most comical, one of the funniest moments of the whole season for me. I don't know if you remember the incident I'm talking about. But he went over the barrier. Yeah, Gary's <laughs> ran across the sideline to make a challenge, and then he could have quite—he could have quite easily have stopped before the barrier. Then he's proceeded to somersault over the top of the barrier. That—that <laughs> that wasn't even the funniest part. The funniest part was the fact that nobody could see where Gary was for probably a full five seconds, and then he must—he must have done some kind of army crawl along the around the back of the barriers because he's, his head's popped up another 20, 20 yards further down the foot line, and instead. But he hops back over the air. But that's Gary to a T. You know, he's one of a kind. He's an absolute diamond, both Brilliant. on and off the pitch. And um, you know, we're delighted to have Gary on board with us again, uh, yeah, moving forward to the club next season. What Brilliant. I would say about Gary is is the Southport going back to the Southport game, the trophy. The, the turning point was when he had to go off injured because absolutely. he he was dominating really that game um, from in the left back position really. Absolutely, and, Simon. And, and absolutely. It was the game. The game turned when he went off. But not just that, that was just another instance. And again, you know, we're always careful not to try and rule out excuses, but that was just another instance where a key injury, like, you know, it wasn't just it wasn't just that game that he was out for. He was out, out for the next, you know, three, four, I think possibly yeah. even five, five, five games. And mm. um, yeah, we, we, we've had to deal with a lot this season. Again, look, me and Graham will always be the type of people that, and we'll, you know, I'm sure we'll we'll see it on, you know, here and now again. It was a big learning curve for us. Every season is. We are still, in the grand scheme of things, relatively young managers, and you know, we are learning all the time. We we've, we've made mistakes this season. No two ways about it. Just like every player does, um, where we feel like we're hopefully humble enough to to, to say that we've spent a lot of time over the past few weeks. Um, you know, both myself, Graham, and the other coaching staff at the at the at the club, really reflecting hard, um, both you know, looking at ourselves in the mirror individually, but also collectively how we, the processes that we use at the club, everything that we that we've done, um, and kind of go through things with a fine tooth comb, and and that then just gives you a real, a real you know hunger and desire and motivation to go and attack the next season and yeah. really you know be better for it. And um, you know, I, I'm sure Graham will agree. Um, you know, I've I've really really enjoyed the last few weeks just purely from that respect alone. Graham, I absolutely agree. Yeah, it's been it's been good. You know, we've just been keeping in touch and having chats amongst the coaching staff, and uh, it has. It's been good to get inside other people's brains and see how they felt the season went. And like Lee said, look, we we are fairly young and as managers and. Um, we have made mistakes, um, and we'll uh, we'll we'll constantly try and review and and get better, learn from them, put things into place, and we try and try our best not to make them again. Um, yeah. But uh, again, it's a it's a job where you have to make lots and lots of decisions every single week, um, and we generally feel we we make more right ones than than wrong ones. Um, but this, like like Lee said, this season's been a, a big learning curve. Clearly, you know, um, you are adult enough and honest enough to to admit that we there were moments during the season where we were pretty pretty critical at times um and one of the things was it was about perception of games about perception of performances which sometimes uh 
we felt at home were flat. If you think of games like Grantham, um, Lancaster at home, uh, games where big crowds come, obviously with the hard work, the the foundation and the, the team put in, getting big crowds there. And like on a few occasions, it appeared that we fluffed our lines, to put it bluntly. Um, now, was that a... Uh, is that just extra... Do you think the, the bigger crowds put any extra pressure on the lads? Well, I think they were going Did you think that in the FC United game at all? No, I didn't, and that was well. We'll get to that. We'll get to that actually, because that's a different. I think that's a different matter well, slightly. Well, let's let's go back. I think there's there's been certain occasions, or even let's go back the last, over the last three or four years, where there has been big crowds turned up and, and mm-hmm. we're just disappointed. That there's been a few occasions like that, and and uh, no one's been more disappointed than myself and Lee. Yeah. But, um, saying there, the Grantham game was a little bit flat. The Lancaster game, we should have won, Chris. Yeah, well, that's so the thing. It's about perception because what I did, I was talking to Dan Prince about it and I, and, and, and I thought, right, I'm going to watch it again. I watched the highlights again and I admit I was wrong. You know, we should have absolutely put them out of sight. Yeah. But it was yeah. just the perception. Yeah, I think it was one of those games again where we created quite a few chances and, and we just weren't clinical on the day and they've obviously scored a goal and, and been tough to then for us to get and get back into the game but um but we can take your point on board that sometimes where the big crowds come in we we have slightly let ourselves down but there's been mm-hmm. other occasions you know there's been numerous occasions where the big crowds have come in and we've played particularly well as well um, yeah yeah i was i was just going to say that um look both myself and graham nobody's got higher expectations for the team than myself and graham and we're almost you could argue too much of, of a perfectionist, the pair of us at, at, at times looking for, you know, that, that perfect, always striving for that perfect performance. But in terms of fluffing your lines, Chris, like it's, it's really disappointing for everybody concerned at the time, because like you say, you know how much work goes behind the scenes to, to yeah. generate the, the crowds. We'd like to think that the crowds are always healthy in Maine because we played consistent, really good football over yeah. a sustained period of time. But all, all I would say is like, Every team fluffs their lines at some stage, Chris. Yes. And if you remember rightly, there's 22 teams in that league. Well, we we fluffed our lines to the tune of 12 points less than so any we, other team yeah. in in that league. So you know you've always got to you've always got to accept. And we would argue that there was a lot of mitigating circumstances this year. You've always got to accept that there's going to be over the course of a 42 game season. Um, there's going to be periods where you aren't anywhere near your best and you know the team that obviously goes through those periods least often or drops the least points you know i know i'm stating bloody obvious here but um we'll we'll come out on top and we felt like we were peaking at just the right time um you know we had some key players back available for us no coincidence in our minds that, that you know the correlation between the strength of our results and you know the closeness to in our minds what our best kind of team was out on the pitch and um you know with with nine games to go we we genuinely genuinely felt with nine games to go that we weren't going to get beat again this season we all felt the same sorry to interrupt everyone this is half time in our game of two halves because we had 90 minutes of great content we decided to split it so you can all have your your pies and your korean chips in your pints um, and the second half will be coming up and 
in a couple of days. So I hope you've enjoyed it and um, take care everyone. See you soon. Thanks for listening to this Mariners podcast. There'll be another one along soon before you can see it. John Shaw.